Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There's no, no condemnation for those that are now in Christ Jesus because of it. Now here Job, because of the intensity and the enormity of his situation, is convinced wrongly, note wrongly convinced, that God is against him, that God has it out for him, that God even in some morbid way actually takes delight in what is happening to Job. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Job was wrong in thinking that God could possibly allow bad things to happen to him as a punishment for his past. In fact, the suffering he went through was because God knew he was strong enough to go through it. Pastor J.D. explains to us the great need to grasp this lesson. We must take to heart that God's ways are always for the overall best. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Job chapter 10 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So two weeks ago we left Job and his three so-called friends. That's what I'm going to refer to them as because with friends like that, who needs enemies? Uh, Going back and forth. Uh, and his so-called friends are falsely accusing him of everything under the sun, namely that of secret and unconfessed sin in his life as being the reason for his unspeakable suffering and pain. And we have to, again, sort of paint the canvas Uh, of the scene that we have here at this point in the book of Job. Job is actually sitting in a rubbish heap on a pile of ashes. Ashes because that's where they would take all of the rubbish uh, from the city and burn it. And so he's sitting there in this rubbish heap on a pile of ashes and he is scraping himself with any sharp object that he can find. And the reason he's scraping himself is because he's covered from head to toe in pussy, itchy boils. You'll forgive the graphic description, but that's what we're told uh, in the narrative. And that is his physical state. And if that's not bad enough, his emotional state is deteriorating <laughs> with each passing chapter, and certainly his so-called friends again are of no help. In fact, if anything, they're adding insult to injury, as it were. Now we pick it up in chapter 10. He's uh, responding, uh, and he is being very raw, for lack of a better word, and and you can't blame him uh, because of his... Uh, situation. And as we're going to see tonight, it's not so much that all of his children are gone, all 10 of them, seven sons, three daughters. Uh, it's not so much that his wife, who cannot even bear to see him uh, this way, 
has basically told him to curse God and die. In other words, just beg God and, and curse God, because if you curse God, then he'll kill you and put you out of your misery. And, and by the way, that's the very thing that God knew he would not do when Satan came to God and challenged God, saying to him that if you smite Job, who you've blessed and hedged about, and no wonder he serves you, no wonder he loves you, but boy, you just let me mess with him, and he'll curse you to your face. And God says, okay. (laughs) See, God knows what Satan can't know, And God knows also what Job can't know about himself. Now in the end, we know how it ends. Job doesn't have the benefit of knowing how it ends. Uh, But we know how it ends. And in the end, he does not ever curse God. And God wins in the end. And that's a takeaway maybe for someone here tonight. We know how it ends. In our day, as the world waxes more and more evil by the day, um, we have that assurance. We know how it ends, and that we know that God wins in the end. And like Paul writing to the Romans says, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are victors, and Satan is a defeated foe. And certainly, as it relates to Job's life, Satan is a defeated foe. And we're going to see now tonight, this back and forth, and then we pick it up in chapter 10, where Job is just going to continue on. And he says, verse 1, My soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. Here again, he is pleading with God. He is begging God to show him, reveal to him why it is that it seems that God is against him, contending with him. We refer to it in, as a dark passage of the night and an anguish of the soul. Here Job says, the bitterness of my soul. He says, verse 3, does it seem good to you? that you should oppress? In other words, God, are you deriving some, some pleasure in oppressing me and contending with me? He says that you should despise the work of your hands. Do you despise me, God? <laughs> and smile on the counsel of the wicked? We know what he's talking about there. <laughs> Do you have eyes of flesh, or do you see as man sees? Are your days like the days of a mortal man? Are your years like the days of a mighty man, that, verse 6, you should seek for my iniquity and search out my sin, although you know that I am not wicked? Here again, Job knows that he has not sinned against God. It doesn't mean that he's sinless. It simply means that he's blameless. And he knows that. His heart is right before God. His hands are clean before God. And here he sits accused by these so-called friends of being a wicked man. And we're going to see that again here shortly as well. He's going to be called everything under the sun. And wicked is one of them. (laughs) 
And there is no one who can deliver from your hand. Your hands, verse 8, have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity. Yet you would destroy me? Remember, I pray, that you have made me like clay. And will you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? This is an interesting reference here when he refers to cheese. I read a couple of commentators on it. One suggests that uh, God made man the way that the cheesemaker makes cheese or the way that milk is made. And in other words, God, you made me. (laughs) Just like the cheesemaker makes cheese, are you going to now crush me? Are you going to now return me from where I came? I'm just clay. (laughs) You made me like clay. Are you going to return me to the dust from where you created me? He says, verse 11, clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. And these things you have hidden in your heart, I know that this was with you. And then he says, interestingly, verse 14, again, he's he's in effect saying the same thing he has been saying, but in a different way. He says this, verse 14, if I sin... (laughs) Then you mark me and will not acquit me of my iniquity. It's almost this this hypothetical plea. Okay, Lord, hypothetically, even if I did sin, would you not acquit me, forgive me of my sin? If I was guilty of this gross sin that I am accused of, would you not acquit me of it? Forgive me for it. Verse 15, if I am wicked, woe to me, a curse to me, even if I am righteous. I cannot lift up my head. I am full of disgrace. See my misery. If my head is exalted, verse 16, you hunt me like a fierce lion. And again, you show yourself awesome against me. Again, keep in mind that Job is now thoroughly convinced, given his perilous and ominous situation, that God is truly against him. And I need to mention this about that, because this is what we're prone to do. Stay with me, and I'll explain what I mean. We interpret, better said, misinterpret, the nature and the love of God towards us based on the circumstances in our lives. In other words, adversity strikes, and adversity does strike. In our first response, and perhaps it's innate within our sin nature, our human nature, but our first response is to think, okay, uh, God is against me. God is punishing me for something, for some reason, what I know not. But now God is against me, which is why, again, Romans chapter 8, 
is one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible for anyone to read and meditate on who ever doubts or is uncertain about the love that God has for them. Paul writing to the Romans reminds them that nothing can separate them for the love that God has for them. Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor anything created can separate us from the love that God has for us. God is not against us. God has no wrath for us. God took all of His wrath and He placed it on His only begotten Son. Why? Because of His great love for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, put all of His wrath on Him because He took upon Him all of our sin. And whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. See, it's all been settled. So that is now inconsequential. It is irrelevant. It is not a factor in the equation, for lack of a better way of saying it. God now has settled it. All of His wrath for all of our sin has been paid for in full. And now the relationship that we have with God is such that He is for us. He is not against us. And we are not against Him. There is no no condemnation for those that are now in Christ Jesus because of it. Now here Job, because of the intensity and the enormity of his situation, is convinced wrongly, note wrongly convinced, that God is against him, that God has it out for him, that God even in some morbid way actually takes delight in what is happening to Job. Verse 17, you renew your witness against me and increase your indignation toward me. Changes and war are ever with me. Why then, verse 18, have you brought me out of the womb? This is again his cry out to God. Why, why did you even let me be born? And then he says, oh, that I had perished and no eye had seen me. I would have been as though I had not been. (laughs) I would have been carried from the womb to the grave. That's basically uh, stillborn. Are not my days few, verse 20? Cease, leave me alone, (laughs) that I may take a little comfort. He's again pleading with God, begging God to just... Take his heavy hand off of him. Just leave me alone. Just, if I could just have some respite, just a taste from the cup of some relief and just some comfort. Verse 21, before I go to the place from which I shall not return to the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land as dark as darkness itself, as the shadow of death, without any order, where even the light is like darkness. This is again, uh, maybe saying a dark passage of the night is an understatement. 
I mean, he, he has completely given in to utter despair and hopelessness, and he finds himself once again pleading with God to just bring an end to this. What's the point, God? Why was I even born? If, if this was my lot, what was the point in even being born? Me even being given life? I know where I'm going to go, and why don't you just put an end to it now? And he's asking God, again, in a different way, the same why question. And what's really interesting is, God can't answer Job's why question, and for good reason. Let me just share a couple of thoughts here on this interesting chapter. The first of which has to do with Job laying out his case before God. You might might see it and say it this way. He's arguing his case. He's, he's not so much defending himself in the sense that a defendant would plead their case, but what he's arguing before God is that he's not sinned against God proportionate to that which he is now experiencing from the hand of God. And he's arguing that case. In effect, he's still asking God for an explanation as to why this is happening. There's nothing wrong with asking God why. Sometimes God will not answer your why question, and such is the case here with Job. God never answers this for him. And the reason is interesting. The reason that God cannot reveal to Job why it is that he is suffering so is because doing so would defeat the entire purpose of his suffering. Think about this. Let me think through this with me. Let's just say that God were to acquiesce to Job's plea, which you got to know, God would love nothing more than to be able to say, Job, just hang in there just a little bit longer. I got a huge bet riding on this. (laughs) You're going to make it. I know that you're going to make it. And and you'll see that you're going to make it. Just just hang in there a little bit longer. Okay, maybe like another 20-some chapters longer, (laughs) which seems like an eternity. But you're going to see how this is going to end. And oh my goodness, we know again how it ends. God restores everything to Job twice as much. Everything is restored once he passes this test, as it were. But think about this. If God were to somehow answer this for him, it would be like giving him the test answers so that he passes the test. Well, that's cheating. That's not fair. And it would defeat the entire purpose. Because see, he's got to prove himself faithful in the face of what would arguably be unspeakable pain and suffering for what could be an elongated period of time. And in the end, still not curse God which he won't. 
But he's got to go through that whole process. And that's why God can't answer him. And I think about that in our lives as Christians. Oh, how many times have we longed for God to explain to us why it is that He's allowing this trial into our lives. Why God? Why God? Why God are you allowing this to happen? And yet, God remains silent. There's no answer. There's no response. And then we just continue in this anguish of the soul as we suffer in the trial that has been allowed into our lives, and yet it still seems that heaven is silent, and God withholds the answer from us. Oh, would to God that we would just trust Him, and know that in the end He will, because He has given us His word that He will, bring good no matter how bad it is. That's just who He is, and that's just how He is. Here's our problem though. We can believe that by faith, that God will work all things together for the good. But here's where we struggle. We don't know how He's going to do it. We don't know the way He's going to do it. And even worse yet, this is the one we really struggle with, we don't know when, ooh, when, Because you want God to do it yesterday. And God says, I can't do it yesterday. I can't even do it today. In fact, I can't even do it tomorrow. Because if I do it tomorrow, it's going to defeat the whole purpose. You have no idea what I'm doing. And you can't know what I'm doing. How is it possible for man in the finite to comprehend a God in the infinite? It is impossible. And I think of it this way too, because... Even if God were to, again, acquiesce and try, even attempt to answer our why questions, you know what would happen, right? We would have more why questions. Remember when your kids were little and they're like, why is the sky blue? And you try to answer it. And here you're, you know, because God made it blue. Why did God make it blue? Because God likes blue. Why does God like blue? Well, because that's the color of the ocean. Why is the color of the ocean blue? Ay, 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 ay. I can't, you know, you just, it just, and <laughs> you can go on for infinity. That's the point. Finite cannot comprehend the infinite. And so God cannot In his love for Job, God cannot answer the why question of Job. Job's life shifted radically and quickly from prosperity to despair, giving him every reason to complain and turn away from God. Yet Job kept his focus on his Creator, telling us in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not easy to praise the Lord when everything we know falls apart. But as we'll continue to learn from Job, God has a much better and greater plan than we can even comprehend. God will bring us through every trial and tragedy we face and is our ultimate source of comfort and strength. Have you discovered the powerful love of God in your life? If you'd like to know more about this relationship, we have a great guide for you at our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. 
just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family, one that follows God with all their hearts and live by His Word, and we'll provide you with support as you walk this journey of faith. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m., and again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is in spiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today, but we want to thank you for listening. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Job, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 